Hey there, I'm Everett. I'm Baron. And welcome to Bro, Bro Have, Have You Seen? How's it going, bro? Good, bro. What's up? Ah, uh, not much. <laughs> nice. Yeah, just hanging out. We're just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, I've just been quarantined for the last couple yep. of days or whatever, so. Yep. We don't have to talk about that on the show, but of course yeah. it lends itself well to movie watching, so how's your week been? Oh, it's actually been slow for movie watching, oh, believe it or not. I've been working a lot this week. Uh, I, I kind of just work alone. Like, I mm. work for a general contracting small company, local, uh, company that was like the <laughs> most oddly structured sentence i've ever said yeah we're both a little tired but uh, yeah um yeah so i like the last few days i've just been working alone in the middle of this like dirt field so nice um, not at risk of spreading or catching any uh diseases yeah <laughs> um but it's been good you know i'm a little tired but i haven't been able to see so many movies yeah um I did watch Contagion. You know, it's obligatory. At nice. This time yeah, I, I've been meaning to watch that since yeah. I've seen everyone else has been watching it. So <laughs> probably should. Yeah. What about you? How's your movie week been? I would say it's the opposite of you because I have not been working and nice. school has been canceled. <laughs> so it's a great time. I've been catching up lots of things, I'm trying to watch all my stuff from my Netflix list. Mm-hmm. So I watched quite a few things and we'll talk about that at the end of our show. But Sweet. Yeah, we'll just dive right in. Uh, this week we're starting our Pixar project. Uh, we talked about this last week, a little teaser. So uh, today's episode is from this November 95 picture. It was a big hit and continues to entertain audiences everywhere, mm-hmm. young and old. Many sequels have been made, three to be exact. And in total, this franchise has been produced on a small budget of $520 million, you know, small. Tiny. Pretty, it's a it, tiny studio. You might have not have heard of it. Yeah. But uh, the Pixar project. Uh, uh, but it's grossed over $3 billion worldwide, so it's quite the money raker. This is directed by John Lasseter, and he took home the Special Achievement Award at the 1996 Academy Awards for the development and inspired application of techniques that have made possible the first feature-length computer animated film. Of course, it's obvious what we're talking about this week, and it's Toy Story from 1995. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were talking last week about this movie, kind of like preparing, you know, at the end of our episode, we, t- mm-hmm. we kind of mentioned that we were going to watch this, and I was surprised that it came out in 1995. Yeah. Uh, it seemed a little bit early for this movie. I mean, I've grown up watching it, but I didn't know that it was slightly older than uh-huh. me. Um, I always thought it was 1999, but... <laughs> yeah. I think Toy Story 2 was 1999, and then Bugs Life was right, right. in between there. Right. The two of these movies. But yeah, I honestly, like I said, I've grown up watching this movie, but I don't think I've really seen it. Mm -hmm. It seems like one of us is always saying that Uh, (laughs) with every movie. It's like, yeah, I saw this as a kid, but I don't remember watching it exactly uh, all the way through and actually knowing what's happening uh, every step of the way. And this time, this recent watch through was actually really good and eye opening. I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, there's definitely a lot of jokes geared more towards the older audience, the adults, which uh-huh. is something that Pixar has really excelled with over the years. Absolutely. Um, this was obviously just their first venture, and they didn't know what it would become here in 2020 when we have Onward that just came out, and we got Soul coming out this year, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, 
And it's just been this massive, I mean, it's the leading computer animation studio still. Um, And it was the first one to really make a feature length movie with computer animation. So totally groundbreaking. And this movie is quality in and of itself. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I have a similar experience. I I think the last time I've seen this, so I watched it on Disney Plus this time, but Mm -hmm. the last time I've seen it was quite different. I think I watched it on VHS. So way back in the day, it's been a while. I had like this old mini TV in my room and I had like the old VHSs there. We had like the plastic case. Yeah, you got to rewind Very nostalgic. Oh man, yeah. Kids these days don't even know. Man, (laughs) streaming. Oof, just kidding. No. Yeah, I'd like, I haven't really fully watched it and known what was going on and picked up a lot of the humor and things that I've appreciated more as I'm older and as well as technical aspects and things like that. It's very, very much an important film and groundbreaking piece of animation, which is really cool. I like, I like animation and I like stop motion animation, but this, this type of stuff's good too. Mm-hmm. Also like, like Studio Ghibli, like 2D Japanese animation, that type of stuff. But yeah. Pixar is definitely one of the best and one of my favorite studios. I mean, there's not like tons of studios that do this out there. Yeah. But they're very good. Um, this movie, I really enjoyed it as well. It's very great and very nostalgic. Like a, with the VHS is like, but I when I was watching, I was like, man, it's been so long, but I remember like watching this as a kid so many times. So it's been good to yeah. revisit it. Yeah, it's crazy. Just as you were talking, I was thinking about that. Uh, there's not a lot of studios doing it. Um, and I think part of that is due to the youth of it. I mean, mm-hmm. computer animation's only been around as like, I guess, feature length movies for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And like hand drawn animation is almost a hundred years old now. Yeah. In terms of like, if you consider Snow White to be maybe the first feature length hand drawn animation movie, uh, it's quite the difference. And yeah, again, as well, I, I love other types of animation I've been a huge fan of Pixar and Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the VHSs uh, that we kind of grew up watching, I've started <laughs> to collect the older Disney VHS with the yeah. nice plastic clamshell cases and all that, uh, just to kind of have as part of my movie collection. So maybe I'll bring some of those up nice. uh, at the end of the month when we talk about our pickups. But yeah, um, I really enjoyed this movie, like I said, and... I'm excited to kind of break it down a little bit further with you. Um, I guess we can start off with digging into the humor a little bit. I mean, that's probably the foremost thing that I picked up on this run through. Uh, What are some like elements of the humor or some particular jokes you found uh, standouting? Yeah. (laughs) Standoutish. Yeah. Um, So I guess it's important to mention here, like the writing. So we've got John Lasseter and then one of the co-writers... Um, I was kind of surprised it was who it was. Let's see here. Yeah, I remember seeing that. It was Joss Whedon was a co. He was a co-writer on this. So huh. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Fame, and the first Avengers movie, some other big hits. But Buffy, and then he did a little bit later. He did Firefly, and he directed Serenity. So he's done quite a few different things that are pretty popular. But I was surprised to see him as a co-writer. One of the one of the many, but one of the ones that stood out to me, and Andrew Stanton, who's also directed quite a few of the Pixar movies, um, and Steve Jobs produced this, and we can talk about Pixar and like the technicality a little bit later. Yeah, the business aspect. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Mm-hmm. But as for writing, I think it's extremely clever, and what these guys were doing, um, 
just the way that they, I loved the way the humor, they used the world around it and it really feels like it could be real. And they felt like they really understood what was going on, the boundaries of the humor. Some of the bits I liked were they were putting in the batteries into the baby monitor they're like, no, plus is plus is positive and minus is negative. Yeah. They're like yelling, like Woody's yelling commands to put the batteries in the right way. He's like, no, you always put it in the wrong way. Like stuff like that that are so relatable to people that have played with like toys and played with things like any household thing as well. Putting in the batteries the right way. And that's like, that shows like, you know, their clever, their cleverness of the writing and the awareness of the things they were using. I think another one was the food boxes. When uh, Buzz and Woody are going into the Pizza Planet, they go inside the food boxes. And then when Buzz is talking, the burger box like flaps open. I thought that was pretty clever, the way they could use the real objects. It made the world feel very realistic, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. What about, were there any bits that stood out to you? Um, definitely the very beginning, when you're starting to get to know the characters... There's a couple little moments that they do, visual gags as well mm-hmm. as just like um, lines that I think kids wouldn't really get. Uh, one thing that I really liked was Mr. Potato Head and some of his little jokes. Mm-hmm. Like he looks off screen, like out of the frame, and he's like, what are you looking at, you hockey puck? And then it, <laughs> it pans over and it's an actual hockey puck yeah. standing there. Like yeah. That was really good, kind of clever. Um, and he said something before that that I can't remember that was also funny, but that character, obviously uh, voiced by the famous Don Rickles, um, who I think was kind of a comedian for a long time. He's mm. he's one of those like character actors that was in a bunch of stuff, but never really like a big star of anything. Um, he was great in this movie. And then just that dry humor of Slinky Dog uh, yeah. in little moments like that. Um, and just, yeah, I really liked a lot of those little moments and I would say that the humor definitely uh is going full speed from the get-go um and then it starts to kind of taper off as the seriousness of the story takes over yeah which again as we're just starting with this Pixar thing we might as well talk a lot about Pixar as a whole and I think that's one of the things they've really been successful with is they put story over everything like some of the other animation studios like they care more about maybe getting a star to voice someone, which at this right. time, I mean, <laughs> literally Tom Hanks coming right off of an Oscar, you know, best picture winning Forrest Gump role. Yeah. And uh, he was obviously a star and Tim Allen was a huge star at the time. But um, that is never given more priority over the story. Right. Is like trying to give them more time or whatever. But like other animation studios would probably try to amp up the humor all the way throughout, put in some cheesy side character that is constantly making jokes and never really has like any seriousness to them. And just like stuff like that, I feel like Pixar is really good at is putting that story above everything. And that's, I think the story of toy story, (laughs) the toy story really takes off (laughs) as, as you get further into the movie and you get invested in these characters I mean, I bet it was a pretty difficult sell when this first came out. Just the the difference visually, I think, would catch a lot of people off guard, and they would have to maybe try and win over the audience, convince them that, like, hey, this is just like a regular movie. You're going to care about these characters, and they're going to progress, and, you know, there's going to be some emotion, which also Pixar is famous for. (laughs) Yeah. Bringing out them tears. 
Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. one thing that I think humor-wise really stood True. out to me. Yeah, I'd have to agree on that. Like, right at the beginning, the humor is very much more prevalent, but it definitely slows down. But I like that a lot because it creates a lot of weight and reality to what the characters are doing. Because at first, you know, everything's good, but then as things go south and, you know, Andy's family's moving and, like, all these different things... It's not as emotional as later Pixar movies, and like you said, it's something they've mastered. And so it's interesting to see like their first run of it and how they were already trying to deal with those balancing ideas. I think they still pulled it off really well. Like it worked super well for me. Yeah, and I guess that like just remembering, there's a few moments of comedy, you know, in the later moments, some slapstick moments mm-hmm. with Woody and Buzz. It definitely isn't as frequent, which is good, I think, in this case. Um, as far as, um, like those characters go, cause I, I'm really fascinated by the way Pixar crafts their characters and the dimensionality that the actors bring to it as well, as well as the writers. I was just thinking about these Toy Story characters and there's so many, it's kind of an ensemble type movie. Yeah. Um, what did you think about some of the characters in Toy Story? Yeah, I love all the characters. Um, Woody and Buzz, of course, are great, but I think there's lots of other supporting characters. You mentioned Mr. Potato Head. He's always got some good jokes. It's a, a lunchbox. We've got a lunchbox here. A lunchbox? Lunchbox? Lunch. Okay, second present. It appears to be. Okay, it's bed sheet. Who invited that kid? Then, so, like, his character has some good quips and lines, and Slinky. I, I think I like Rex maybe the most. And, like, Ooh. Wallace Shawn is really awesome, but... Like, Rex's, like, naivete, like, he's so, I can't remember some of the lines, but I think his were some of the ones I was dying the most at. I found his character really fun, and I don't know, it's really hard to pick, like, a favorite, Mm -hmm. but I definitely like them all, they're very fun. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny, because Rex is probably my favorite, I think. No way. I love Wallace Shawn, dude. Nice. He's the best, and uh, there's just something inherently funny with his voice, and I think that's Mm -hmm. what makes him perfect as this, like, dinosaur who's not scary. It's a, it's a great exactly. bit of irony that they work in really well to the story, where he's constantly, like, afraid and worrying at the same time, like, he's supposed to be, like, a really ferocious type of animal. Um, and they also use him really well in that rivalry between Woody and Buzz at the beginning mm-hmm. with, like... Woody's trying to get him to roar, and he doesn't really roar that scarily. But then Buzz comes along, and, like, the first second he's getting him to, like, freak people out and stuff. Mm. That was pretty good. But, yeah, I love Wallace Shawn. He's he's one of my favorite just all-around kind of character actors. That nice. He pops up and stuff, and I always enjoy it. Uh, my Dinner with Andre is, like... Yeah, I need to watch that. I, I was really hoping that he would have more lines in the movie. He doesn't talk as much as Andre Gregory does. But it's still super uh, good movie, and you know I like Wallace Shawn in that. But yeah, as far as the other characters, um, I guess I could pick a different favorite if you already stole Rex from me. Ah, uh, you can have him. <laughs> you can have him. I'll do a runner-up for me. <laughs> All right. I would. I mean, I would say maybe like Sid is pretty good. Nice. <laughs> I. I mean, he's obviously the worst character in the movie, but uh, he's just so interesting to watch on screen, and it's it's kind of cool, like. Uh, what they did with that character too, like his house has the shining carpet yeah. from the Overlook Hotel, so cool. and it just kind of adds to that like horror element because these are toys, and this is basically a giant monster who's gonna kill them or worse, and so exactly. you can just kind of 
it puts you in the mindset of these characters as they're in Sid's house. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, maybe like a runner-up for me would be Ham. I think nice. Ham's really good. Voiced by John Ratzenberger. Yeah, oh, no. he's the guy that's in every Pixar movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he plays a little role in every single one. That's awesome. Sweet, well, some, something new every day. Learn something yeah. New. Yeah, he's, he's funny too. He's always got good lines and doing funny stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head, but definitely a good one, good one. So nice. yeah, I love the characters, of course. Like that makes the movie for sure. Without yeah. like lovable characters, I don't really think it'd be as good of a movie. Like and like you said, I mean they put story first, and I think they probably put characters pretty close and second. Yeah, um, they really followed that um, Aristotle. I think maybe Socrates, one of those old philosophers. Mm-hmm. They had the the poetics. I think it's Aristotle's poetics. And he, he talks about um, how, like, the priorities of a good play, and the good movies, in my opinion, like they use that and they follow that. Where he says that plot should be first and characters mm-hmm. uh, should come second. Which, um, I think that a lot of times character drives plot, but that's kind of what he was saying: is that plot is more important than like the characterization, like what does Woody like to do and what does Buzz, how does Buzz speak and all that thing, like those come secondary to the motivations of the characters and their sacrifices along their journey. But Right. Anyway, uh, next I think I wanted to talk a little bit more about the themes. Uh, something that I love talking about in movies is trying to dig mm-hmm. one layer deeper and figure out you know, what is this movie really saying? What peeling is it back, after? Peeling back the onion layers. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, what do you think are some of the major themes here? Yeah, uh, I love the theme of replacement. That's like a really common thing in Woody's mind. He's so worried about being replaced. Uh, and all the toys, really, that's kind of their kind of their fear. And when the birthday party's happening, all the boxes are coming in, and that's when Rex is like, is there a dinosaur-shaped dinosaur shaped one? And yeah. they're like, oh, no, they're getting bigger. And, like, all yeah. these funny things. Like, they're so worried about being replaced. They're worried about birth- every Christmas and birthday party. They're worried about new toys coming in and taking their spot because Andy loves playing with his toys, and he spends so much time with them that, you know, that would suck to be one of the ones that's in the toy box and not getting played with. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's a major fear. I think it really taps into, you know, everyone's fear of, of not mattering of mm-hmm. being obsolete or meaningless, I guess, useless. Uh, and speaking of the birthday thing, I was like kind of wondering, because they do it really well. They set up the birthday thing like, oh, his birthday, It's they're doing it today, and everyone starts freaking out. And me, at least, as the audience thought, why are they so afraid? Like, what's going on? Like, uh, I'm trying yeah, to figure yeah. out what's happening. And then everyone is, like, they're setting up the the troops go out and they bring the baby monitor to listen. And like, I'm still wondering what's, what's going to happen. Why are they so concerned True. about the birthday? And then they find out that they're, uh, worried about what toys are coming mm-hmm. to replace them. And, and of course that's when we get buzz, which is a big, like you said, um, replacement for Woody because it's that classic kid thing every Christmas exactly. or every birthday or whenever you get a new toy, your old ones become boring all of a sudden and you don't like them anymore because you just want to play with the new thing that's fresh and mm. exciting. Yeah, that's another, like, nod. Well, not nod, but, like, 
a good... I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say. Another... <laughs> the writing, you know, it's clever. Yeah. <laughs> Very well said. Just kidding. Thanks. <laughs> no, like, that's... It's kind of like a relatable thing. Like you were saying, every kid knows how it is to mm-hmm. be... To, to have, like, the new thing that comes and steals your attention. And every parent knows how that is to get their kids something new. And then they stop playing with the old thing. And, yeah. like, the mom was like, oh, you can only bring one toy. And he's like, one toy. Mm-hmm. And Woody and Buzz are like, oh, shoot. And then, like, Woody tries to sabotage so he can be there. It's so, yeah. like, those themes of, like, replacement and rivalry were very interesting. True. For, like, buying attention in a way if you think about it andy's mom is the real villain here yeah she totally. didn't she didn't let andy pick both mm-hmm. toys yep she really created a hard <laughs> thing hard choice for him so yeah she kind of no, but it worked block. out because i'm thinking about one theme that i really picked up on was that uh subject of jealousy and kind of overcoming your own insecurities mm. which is woody's big journey yeah. like that's the thing that he has to learn and he changes over the course of the movie. Uh, spoiler, I guess. Um, he becomes friends with Buzz, and he mm. actually accepts Buzz as an equal. And he's no longer jealous or, you know, worried about what Buzz's place and what Woody's place is in Andy's life. But he he realizes that, you know, Andy's the most important one. And yeah. if he wants to play with Buzz, then so be it. If he exactly. wants to play with me, then so be it. But you know. Eventually, Andy's gonna grow up and he's, you know, gonna get new toys and things are gonna change. And I think that issue of change is something that is really uh, on Woody's mind this whole movie and something that he, he really has to learn. Yeah, I also noticed that with how Woody, he always is talking about being there for Andy, like, and this progresses over the next three movies, and we'll, of course, talk about that as we continue the Pixar project, but, uh, yeah, he really, one of the biggest things in his mind is always getting the toys for, there for Andy. They always gotta be there in their place, they gotta be available for Andy to play with, like, he's number one, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. and Woody kind of, he learns to love Buzz through, you know, that goal of having to have him there for Andy because he knows, like, yeah, maybe he's not playing with me anymore, but what's more important is Andy's happiness. And so if that requires me saving Buzz, bringing him back home, then so be it. I'll I'll get it done. And so that was really cool as well. I like that. I think uh, Woody's arc is really cool. Yeah, and I love Pixar movies because they're so simple, mm-hmm. but they're so profound at the same time. Like, it just proves that you don't have to overstuff the plot and you don't have to become crazy high-minded and complex in yeah. order to tell a good story that's moving um and that's i mean we could just keep harping on how good pixar is but they, <laughs> they really are like the masters of storytelling man like i mean they've had a couple of maybe sort of duds but pixar's worst movie is like every other studio's best movie so very true uh, even if like you know cars 2 wasn't the best movie ever you know it still beats half the stuff that blue sky has done in their you know yeah sweet yeah i i love pixar of course like man (laughs) geez okay anyways love this is our love letter to pixar actually yeah (laughs) yeah i'm excited to do this pixar project like to continue on because there's many of them i have not seen and uh of course this is the first one (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) 
It's late. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, like Stalling. it's it's cool. I am. <laughs> no, I'm just... trying. Uh, it's cool that they did so well in the first one, and we'll see through the next few that we watch and talk about that they can hit a home run almost every time, and consistently pull through and deliver good movies. Um, and on the note of this being like their first one, um, like I said on the onset of this episode, John Lasseter got the special achievement at the Oscars for helping create these new ways of animated movies because this was the first computer animated movie and it was helped through, you know, Steve Jobs's, uh, him helping like buy Pixar and keep the production rolling as Disney was hesitant about the production because the first drafts of this movie were pretty bad. Uh, Woody was such a repulsive character and it was very like hard to watch and he was unlikable. And so Disney was really hesitant about wanting to continue. And so Steve Jobs came through and helped yeah. fund it while it, they were trying to recraft it until they got approval. And so that's, that's a, it's a really interesting story. And I would definitely recommend the Imagineering story. I think it's directed by Leslie Iwerks. Um, she's like a relative of a like special effects guy up in mm. Pixar and Disney. And she did the Imagineering story, which is, wait, the Imagine, yeah, the Pixar story. Did I say Imagineering story earlier? You did. Okay, both are great, but the <laughs> Pixar story is the one that has information yeah. that pertains to this movie. Yeah, Imagineering, <laughs> I think, is more about Disneyland. Yeah, it's about Disneyland, so but two different things. Also good. Both good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I super admire Steve Jobs for... Not only what he's done with Apple, duh, but also what mm-hmm. he did with Pixar here. I mean, that's the mark of a great producer is to recognize talent and be able to, you know, put your neck out for yeah. something that might not work. But Steve Jobs was smart enough to see that this had potential. And thank goodness that he did because obviously we've had, you know, probably almost a couple dozen great movies from what he's created something that I really respect Steve Jobs for doing and uh, he's famous for being an innovator mm-hmm. and he did it here once again and it, it was really a big risk for Disney at the time like they've had so many great hits this 90s era they were pretty much right in the middle of their renaissance period that everybody knows you know the Little Mermaid Lion King Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. era with all some of the best you know Disney movies that have ever been made even to this day, they're still remaking them in live action because the originals were so great. Um, so, yeah. I was expecting the animation to be way worse on this. I don't know about you, but... I, I thought it was pretty bad. Like It wasn't great it compared was, to like yeah. Toy Story 4 or like Frozen 2 we got last year. Oh, but most of it, like, most of it was pretty good. The only, th- the only times I really noticed were like with Buzz... Or when characters were talking. Yeah. That was one of the things. And that's one of the things that I noticed in Frozen 2 that was really good. Is when the characters were talking and it looked like, you know, human mouths moving. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I thought it would be much worse than it was. So that's a credit to the film. I think I remember it being better. But maybe watching it on VHS is different than watching it <laughs> on 4K streaming. So... Yeah. <laughs> no. But... And, like, uh, and comparing it to the newer movies, it's... It pales in comparison. Yeah. But it's interesting, like, with animation, of course, it's the things that are hard to animate are, you know, uh, water and, like, plants and hair and stuff, and they didn't do any of that. All the characters, the mom has a ponytail, and all the other characters have, like, buzzed heads or hats or something. Mm. Not buzzed. They have shaved heads. Um, 
the plants are like really basic yeah. and there's no water or droplets like when Woody sticks his head in the thing of milk in Sid's room like the cereal there's no splashes there's no like so they they That's made true. sure to do it well so that it I, th- I think it is important because it helps it be sustainable over time mm-hmm. you look back and it's not as bad as like you said like you thought it was going to be yeah that's true and they were really smart in that respect of not reaching too far with what their technology mm-hmm. was capable of at the time and of course as technology has progressed they've been able to do more detailed work with water and with hair and with yeah. plants even the next movie that we'll talk about next month the bug's life uh the animation I felt like was a little bit worse, but again, like that degree of difficulty animating all right. the plants and all those things, um, was not as good as animating a bunch of plastic, which actually, I think the reason why they came up with a toy story is because they said at the time, CGI looks like plastic, like probably yeah. this looks terrible. It doesn't look real. And so they like, well, let's just make it plastic in yeah. the movie. Let's, do it yeah, on purpose. True. And so that's a big credit to, again, the producers and the talent behind the animation that they really saw what this could be and they were able to craft it uh, very well that, like you said, it ages really well. Yeah. I very much respect it for those reasons. And, like, I don't know a ton about the animation process and especially with computer animation, but it's something that I've become increasingly more interested in. And that documentary, The Pixar Story, was really cool to highlight the history of Pixar and the early beginnings and you know, how Steve Jobs was involved. I mean, Pixar was more of like a tech company almost before it was a movie company. Like mm-hmm. Steve Jobs, they made a computer, like the Pixar computer that was like an Apple Pixar hybrid thing for <laughs> animating the movies. Mm-hmm. And like he brought his computing expertise, which is really cool. And yeah, it's something... Um, that I'm interested in and something that I've, I love to learn more about. And so that's going to be cool as we continue on to kind of see how animations progress and how technology has progressed alongside it. Cause you know, things drive technology. And so film has been one of those in many respects and in, in the sub genre of like, uh, animation, it's apparent, very apparent. But. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I think we're kind of getting yeah. to the point where we can start wrapping up. Uh, did you have any, extra little like trivia bits that you learned online or kind of just in more research for the movie. I wanted to highlight uh, Randy Newman's involvement. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. He scored the whole thing and his original songs are great. Um, Obviously, You Got a Friend in Me is super iconic. The other one or two, uh, I honestly didn't remember existed. Yeah, same. I was going to say that. Um, They're pretty good songs, but again, not as iconic or catchy as... You've Got a Friend in Me, which I still love to this day. It's such a great song. And, you know, who better than Randy Newman at the time to to score this movie? And uh, it's it's serviceable, I think. It's, in my opinion, like, at least I related a little bit to, like, the John Williams stuff with Spielberg, Mm -hmm. where it's it kind of drives the emotion and it cues everything together a little bit. Um, it might not be the best like technical music ever, but it works as a score for the movie. You know, like I don't, I don't really have anything negative to say about it Yeah. because I think it works really well for what it was trying to do. And you know, Toy Story, I mean that song, who can, who can think of Toy Story without 
the little notes, the intro notes to that song coming in their head, like. They literally just popped into mind exactly. as I was talking about Dude, this. same, just barely. <laughs> yeah, uh, the other songs I didn't think were, like, super great. Like, I was watching, I was like, wait, there's other songs that he wrote? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I was like, hold up, I thought he wrote one. Mm-hmm. And then, like, to find that he actually, like, scored the whole thing, I thought he just wrote the song. But that's pretty cool, like, that he scored it all. But um, I didn't think the emotional cueing and stuff like that worked super well for me. Um, there was one song that was supposed to be, like, Woody's Downer song. That was an original song written by Randy Newman. And I it, that scene wasn't very emotional. And the song didn't, like, it was really not mixed super well. It wasn't, it didn't really play into, like, what was happening as well as maybe it could have. It was kind of a miss. The music was, like, a secondary like in the background like far left background for me mm-hmm. for some reason um i just thought i would mention that is i was thinking about that when i was yeah. thinking about the score and stuff yeah and obviously when we get to like michael giacchino later yeah and he's like the master of the pixar scores which uh it's kind of unfair to compare him with randy newman mm-hmm. uh just because again this is the first one they didn't know what this could be and i think they developed uh, more on every aspect of the movie in future movies but again this works just fine for what it's doing i think uh but yeah that song could have been a little bit yeah better or whatever but yeah that's that's toy story man this little brief discussion but a great movie nonetheless righteous yeah i really liked it um okay well i'm gonna come up with a well, rating on the i'll have my right rating <laughs> and i rated this four and a half stars cool so nice i wish it was a five star i thought i remembered it being a five star mm. but the most recent one i watched besides toy story 4 was toy story 3 i think toy story 3 is a five star but yeah i think that's the consensus is that's kind of the best one of the not to spoil the rating of <laughs> in like seven months when we finally get around or eight months or i don't even know how many movies there are yeah i i like to grade a little bit on a curve like a little bit of a scale mm-hmm. depending on what it is that I'm rating. For example, like Fast and Furious movies, like okay, Fast 5 is probably not a five-star movie when compared to like some of the greats of all time, but it's a five-star movie in like in the action genre, yeah. in the car racing genre, in the Fast and Furious franchise. So, with Pixar, I kind of like to do that. I like to take them separate from other movies. And so, I would say Toy Story probably a good solid three star movie Ooh. it's good it's not bad it's kind of right down the middle uh it's not the best that pixar's ever done but it's definitely not the worst and again i have to take into account that it was the first and yeah. that's really difficult to do so three stars for toy story i think that's yeah fair yeah since i rated it, i've still been thinking about that though i'd probably maybe be somewhere around like a four but four four and a half it i really enjoyed yeah. it and i respect it a lot and, you know, the nostalgia as well. There's lots of different things about it, but mm-hmm. not the best Toy Story movie, not the best Pixar movie, but nonetheless, fantastic. So, cool. all right, Toy Story, 1995. Cool, it's bro. in the books. Check off the list. <laughs> the Pixar project. Yeah, and stay tuned next month when we dive into Bugs Life. Yeah. That'll be exciting. And then I guess we can move right along into our next little segment here. What else has been entertaining you this week? I think you can start because you have a, a lot more to oh, pick yeah. from. Yeah. Uh, if you could highlight one or two notable examples. Sweet. That'd be awesome. 
Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> Sweet. There's a lot to pick from, and like I said, I watched quite a few in the past week and a half. So the first one I would like to talk about is Get Out, 2017. This is um, Jordan Peele, directed Sweet. <laughs> and written. Uh, I finally saw this. I don't know what took me so long, but I was in a hotel with a couple friends. We were doing a uh, trip for a school club, and we're like, yo, what are we going to watch? We're like, oh, let's watch like a horror movie. So we watched Get Out, and the next night we watched The Shining, but I want to talk about Get Out. Um, really loved this movie. I see what the hype has been <laughs> about around this movie, because it's very, very good. Um, I don't have to get into too much detail about it, but definitely recommend. I'm glad I finally saw it. I loved all of the... everything about it. <laughs> all the <laughs> themes, the visuals, and yeah, it was very spooky. And got very messed up and crazy at the last, like, 20 minutes. And movies that are like that are fun. Mm-hmm. It definitely built up the tension, built up the setup. And then when things started happening and being revealed, I was like, what? Like, this was one of the craziest experiences. And being with all these other dudes, it was so fun. Like, we were all just going crazy. Like, dude, what the heck is going on? Like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. So that was really, really fun. And the next one is Snowpiercer from 2013. Um, Bong Joon-ho. You know, the only one I've seen uh, before this was Parasite, and so it was really hard not to compare them. Um, and you were telling me, and I've heard it said, the the class struggle is a lot more on the nose, if you would. It's a lot more straight, cut, and dry compared to maybe Parasite. But I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's fantastic. It's on Netflix. Um, just super, super violent, super, you know, just very good. I love this is very violent and and fun, I guess. But yeah, another one where like the last twenty minutes you're like everything comes together and it's not what you think. And so Dwang Juno is very, very good at that, kind of building up your expectations and then revealing at the end all these like little details and things and cutting back. And then That's cool. It's like the Korean yeah. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And then just like real brief, I'd want to mention nineteen seventeen. I mm. finally saw this in theater the last night before the theater possibly closed forever yes. so yeah i heard regal's shutting down but yeah. i haven't seen a confirmation on that yet so yeah. we'll see but at least before they closed down for this whole virus thing but that was a very amazing theater experience and just the technicality of that movie the production the camera work and everything was just superb glad i saw it in theaters and glad i saw it so awesome. right on what about you bro all right i've been staring at my letterboxd diary trying to (laughs) pick one that i think is noteworthy to talk about but also a good recommend as well as you know just uh maybe the highlight of my week and i think it has to be a 1995 movie just a little bit of a connection here with toy story but vastly different (laughs) movie (laughs) called 12 monkeys oh nice it's a terry gilliam film which i didn't know before i watched it uh, but it's really good. It stars Bruce Willis and has a little bit of Brad Pitt in there. A couple other actors who have gone on to do some things that I'm not really familiar with. But I found that it was really, really interesting. It's kind of a weird sci-fi movie uh, about a guy who is sent back in time to 1990. Nice. No, 1995 or six, um, to figure out information about the release of a mass disease that kills like a, a 1% of the population or something crazy. Uh, 
it has a little bit of similarity to what's going on now, except, you know, of course, a lot um, worse uh, with this movie. But it was really interesting the whole way through. And then kind of, I guess, with you as Snowpiercer, it, it kind of flips itself on its head at the end and it mm. pulls the rug out from under you. It pulled it out from under me, at least. And features some great performances from Bruce Willis, who I love, nice. as well as Brad Pitt, who I love even more. Uh, this run <laughs> of Brad Pitt's was like, he was on fire, dude. He, I mean, he went from this to Seven, and he had Snatch later, and he did another one that I found was really, really good around this era that I can't remember off the top of my head, but he he had an amazing run as like just this character actor doing really weird stuff mm. and he didn't really blow up as like a movie star where he was leading and doing more serious stuff until the early 2000s but this little run of his in the 90s uh, he also had fight club as well oh, yes. um, but this run of his from the 90s was really really good and love bradley pitt gotta shout him out and uh 12 Monkeys, really good film. Nice. Yeah, I definitely want to watch that because I watched Brazil by Terry Gilliam and his, like, use of special effects and stuff is really really interesting. So was there, like, a lot of that in that movie? There's a bit. It's not so much of special effects because it takes place mostly in the present of the time Mm. of the film, air quotes around present. Right. Um, So there's not a whole lot of uh, special effects sci-fi-ness. Uh, just the time travel aspect was the big thing. And he keeps, he goes back to the future a back couple of times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's Marty McFly. He Whoa. goes back um, to his time period where there's like futuristic stuff. They're like living underground or whatever a couple times in the movie. And it's interesting to see that world, but it wasn't super prevalent in the movie. Huh. Cool. Yeah, but I'm excited to see more Terry Gilliam stuff. Yeah, dude. He's pretty good. I saw Fear Very and Loathing. Interesting. I saw Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and didn't really like it, but it's something that I think needs a revisit from mm. me. I definitely recommend Brazil. It's good. Yeah, I've been looking for that. <laughs> I need to mm-hmm. watch it. Anyway. Is that all? Just I think one? so. Yeah, just nice. one. Just one. Don't you like how on Toy Story you recommended all these like horror movies? <laughs> yeah. On the Toy Story episode? It's not a horror movie, so. but you know, like Get Out and The Shining and, you know, all these, like, intense movies on our Toy Story episode. Yeah, <laughs> true. Anyways. It's a good kid movie. <laughs> Just kidding. Good Burger. No. <laughs> yeah. It's the first thing that came to your head. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Anyways. signing off. Yep. See you later, bro. And see next ya. week, we're going to talk about some 50s movies. Yes. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all all right. right. See you later. Bye. Bye.